Hey everybody, today's episode is episode number 26. And I'm really excited because today, first of all, what's kind of cool is my wife was in the studio as we did a uh, tag team of a conversation with some missionaries that are overseas. Uh, it was kind of neat to actually get to do an interview with somebody that's not in America. That was kind of cool. So obviously we did it over the phone and uh, it was really fun. It was a really good time getting to see how God is working in the mission work, uh, mission field in Guatemala, doing great things and and uh, reaching out and helping the world and helping this kingdom in that area. And it was really cool to get to talk to these two, uh, John and Amanda Hill. Uh, John was one of the kids that was in the youth group back when Christine and I were youth pastors a long time ago in Clayton, Georgia. So it was kind of neat to to connect with him again and, and hear what God's doing in his life with his family. Uh, so I'm I'm just super excited about it. So this episode went a little bit longer than normal. Uh, it was about an hour and 20 minutes and I normally don't like to go that long, but you know, that's, that's just, it was just so packed full of information that, uh, we just went ahead and did it all in one time instead of trying to split it up. So, um, but man, I'm excited. I hope you guys enjoy the mission work. If you know anybody who's wanting to considering being a missionary, this is a great episode to hear some of the stuff you might have to think about it if you're actually considering, uh, going into the mission field. So man, I'm just excited. So without any further ado, enjoy the episode. You're listening to the Under the Cloud podcast. pray lord we love you we thank you for this opportunity to uh, get together with old friends and talk about your work and what's going on all over places that we don't even know about lord we ask that you just bless this conversation and allow us allow us to learn and to as, allow us to know how to pray for people in this situation lord we thank you for all that you do in jesus name we pray amen Amen. So today's a really cool episode for me. Uh, I have one in the studio. I got my wife with me, Christina. So I was excited. We don't, she don't come in very much, and we'll start trying to work that out some more. But today we also have on the phone in Guatemala. So this is our first international phone call. Uh, I'm excited about that. And and the cool part is. Uh, it's a guy that Christina and I used to be the youth pastor over uh, back when we were youth pastors in Clayton, Georgia, umpteen years ago. And, uh, and so him and his wife are, are missionaries in, in Guatemala. And uh, I keep wanting to say Guadalajara, and I know that's not, that's not right. So, uh, so Jonathan and Amanda Hill are with us. How are y'all doing? That's it. We're good. We're good. We're good. Surviving. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it hot down there? Because it's hot in Louisiana right now. So, like, it's it's it was 85 yeah, today. It was miserable. <laughs> yeah, where we are is pretty great. Uh, it's, like, springtime year-round. Okay. So, today was kind of a hotter day. It was close to 80 today. Yeah, we actually blew up the pool and uh, let the kids play in the pool for a little bit today. So, yeah. 
That's awesome. It's a great day today. Yeah. Right. They actually call this, they actually call Guatemala like the land of eternal spring. Yeah. So it's pretty much springtime. All year. All year, which is amazing. Don't get me wrong, there's some hot parts here. Right. And there's cooler parts. But, but where we're at, it's like pretty consistent. So yeah. I don't know where Amanda's from. Where are you from, Amanda? I am from um, South Carolina near Clemson. So okay. Not far from where we're from. No, yeah, like, John and I joke because I lived in Oconee County, and he lived in Raven, and we never met until college, college but growing up, we were Yeah, just right there, time. across the river. So here's the, here's the cool thing. You just talked about that. Uh, a lot of people might not remember this, but the motto of Raven County is where spring spends the summer. Do you remember that? So, like, so now you're down there where spring is all year round. So you're a, That's you're in the spring stuff. So, so there. Uh, so I wanted to get Jonathan and Amanda on and talk about missionary work, and they're obviously in country in Guatemala, and and uh, we just had a list of questions, and we wanted to promote what they're doing and talk about it because there's a lot of. Um, a lot of things that we think missionaries do that they don't do, and there's probably a lot of stuff that uh, that they do. We know they do, but then there's probably some misconceptions, and we're going to see what these guys had. And we'll just let the Spirit lead it, you know, or under the cloud, wherever God leads this conversation, we'll take it. So, um, so how did you guys, one, how did you guys get to feel the call and, and into the mission field to begin with? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, so we felt the call. I'll speak for myself, and uh, I felt the call. I remember being in high school and being in Spanish class and being so interested with Latin America and Central America, and I could feel at that time uh, that God was stirring something inside my heart for Latin America. And I mean, you guys were my youth pastor up until, what, I was 15 or so, I think? I don't know. And I don't remember the age. I don't remember the age, but uh, I do remember it being a very significant moment in my life because I remember, like, God stirring a lot of His calling up within me and just preparing the future for me in ways that I didn't necessarily understand and was trying to comprehend. And I remember you guys just telling me, like, just lean into God and just continue leaning into Him, even whenever uh, yeah. there's so much uncertainty around you uh, and so much going on, and you have everything around you pretty much telling you to go the opposite direction. Uh, so it really challenged me to just lean in. And I remember when you guys gave me my Bible, too, like my first Bible, and uh, that was a huge moment for me, too, because I really dove into that and just really continued asking God uh, what what He had, what His plans were for my life. And so I, I guess the calling came about in college, because when I went to college, I went into this leadership training program as well. Uh, so college full-time and ministry full-time, and I loved it because it gave us the opportunity to do hands-on ministry. And we had the opportunity to also do mission trips every year while we were in the program. And so we did one, the first trip to Haiti, and then the second year we did to Mexico. And when we went to Mexico, I really felt that fire burning within me uh, for Latin America and the Latin American people. 
and I could see how God was kind of lining everything up, even as I was young uh, in high school, and opening the doors for me to work in Latin America by giving me opportunities to work with a lot of Latin American culture while I was in the States. Um, so yeah, I guess for me, that's how my calling came about, was just through walking through open doors and then also leaning into what God was stirring up inside of me. And huh? Like your natural gifting? Yeah, I mean the natural giftings. Like, because in Spanish class, my teachers would challenge me and, and I was doing well at the language and I wouldn't shy away from the opportunity that I had to practice the language with Latin Americans that were around me. And I think that's what really propelled me to, like, just propelled me into that calling and it just fueled the, the fire and the passion for it. Yeah. Um, I think for me, my I always grew up in church and I loved having missionaries come and speak. And it was always fascinating to me because I was just like, wow, this is just completely different than what I'm used to. And so it always intrigued me to hear about foreign missionaries um, growing up. And then I had a dream when I was 16 years old that I had <laughs> a huge, like, uh, wicker basket, mm-hmm. is what you call them, and it was full of bread. And I was walking down this dirt path holding this big basket of bread and handing out these pieces of bread to people. And they were different skin color than me, and the language was different than me, but I didn't know what it was or where we were. And I remember after that dream, I was like, what would, like, I went into my mom's room and said, what would happen if I lived in another country? Like, what does that mean? Or how would you feel? Like, does this sound like something normal? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. And, um, she said, if God wants you to live in another country, he'll like open a door for you. And so that was kind of my first, um, like like opening up my mind to be thinking about living overseas one day. And um, I actually studied French in high school for four years, (laughs) which is kind of funny because I don't use it at all. Um, And when I was in college, I went to a community college my first year, and my church that I grew up in was doing a missions trip to Nicaragua, actually. But I think at the time there was like a lot of political unrest in the country. So the next that trip got canceled, and the next year they did Guatemala, and they came and asked me, "Would you like to go?" And I, I mean, sure, that sounds great. Um, so it was just one of those short-term missions trips that everybody does, you know, for a week. And I didn't know any Spanish at all. I had no idea why I was even on the trip. <laughs> it was just I'm in college. Uh, this is during spring break. This would be a great experience for me to learn and just um, see some something else in a different culture. World exposure. Yeah, expose me to something different <laughs> besides small town South Carolina. And um, so I went, and when I was here, I just remember being like, this feels really weird. Like, this feels like home, and I don't understand anything anyone is telling me. Um... And I just remember having such a, like, strong compassion and curiosity to learn from the people. Um, I felt like they had so much to 
teach me and I wanted to just I wanted to stay longer I wanted to learn more from them I wanted to um, figure out how to be like a bigger part of their culture so I came back and someone asked me well how did you do your trip I said oh it was good I don't know if I'll ever live there one day but I would definitely like to go there and learn Spanish and yeah because I was like I could go to the seminary there too because um, they have a seminary here so anyways I get back home from that trip and that's when someone introduced me to the leadership program that John mentioned earlier and so I started going to that and that's where I met John mm-hmm. and we clicked right away because of our hearts for like the Latin American culture his was obviously more so for Mexico, <laughs> and mine was for the. In my in my um, defense, I had never been to Guatemala yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. had only been to Guatemala. He had only been to Haiti, Haiti, and Mexico. Yes. But that's kind of how our friendship sparked was um, just our like heart for Latin America. Latin America. Yeah. And um, so, he- so that's kind of how we felt the initial call. Yeah. So you Haiti. you study French. He goes to Haiti. Don't worry, I study French too. But oh, I yeah. study too, and I know more than she does. Yeah. It's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know more of French than I studied four years. Yeah. So, where did y'all yeah. go to college at? What school did y'all go to? We went to Lee University. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, we just did an online uh, degree with them because we actually were in Cleveland, Georgia. <laughs> and yeah. interned at a church there. That's where we did our um, leadership training and yep. interning at a church there, yeah. So, Jonathan, did you go down there with Kelsey? Were you down there with her for a little while? Mm-hmm. I was, yeah. yeah. So, Kelsey was there. Uh, she was there for two years. I was there for four years. I guess God had a lot more working to do in me. <laughs> that was the tor- <laughs> Was it the torch? Was it the church? Or the bridge? No, it was the bridge church. Bridge, bridge yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The British Church out of Cleveland, Georgia, and uh, yeah, I was there a year before Kelsey was, and then Kelsey was there for two years. So then, my third year that I was in the program was when Amanda came, mm-hmm. and of course, they were like, for the first year students, they were like, we just ask that you don't date during your first year. But when she got there, uh, and we clicked because of missions, I was like, mm, I'm interested in this girl. <laughs> But we'll see. So yeah. then it wasn't until her second year that we actually started dating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And she and part was she was like, If you ever have the opportunity to go to Guatemala, you should go and I was like, Yeah, yeah, I would love that. If God provided the opportunity I would go. And it's funny because when we started dating, God did provide the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a like a, another part of how we actually got here in Guatemala. Yeah. Um, yep. But so is you got you guys um I remember at some point uh Christina showed me the video of you proposing and it was just kind of like and and I was like uh-oh he's getting married and and then of course not knowing because we've never met Amanda so I don't know her. I I know the Hill family really well. Uh, I was thinking yeah. about this today. Um I grew up with Patty, who's Jonathan's aunt, okay. me and her are the same age, yeah. and uh, we went yeah. to school together. And then, of course, I knew Jimmy and and uh, and everybody else. You know, seemed to know most of everybody. But when we came back from the Navy, 
uh, we moved to Georgia and you know a couple years later we're running the youth program and there's these two boys or twins and and of course all <laughs> five of them were in the church but only two of them was in the youth but uh, no I tell you back uh, there's three of them. Elena. Elena was Elena. Yeah, and, uh, Elena. and then uh, her name left my head for a second. I was going to say Alana, but it's Elena. Anyway, and uh, <laughs> and uh, get to got to know you guys, and and um, it was just there's a lot of great stories and stuff from that time, and and uh, so it's not surprising that you are where you are and doing what you're doing. It's not at all. It's really cool to have. Even for a moment, I think we were there like two years in charge of the youth, and for just to be there, to be a part of it, it was really cool to look and see what all these people are doing that were a part of that that move of God at that time. So it was really cool. So yeah, yeah, I was. That's that's why I say like you know when I was sharing about the calling and stuff, like you guys were. Uh, a very integral part of the development of that calling, you know, um, especially how you guys just poured into us and instilled in us to seek after the Lord and to not seek after, like, man's approval, um, but to just seek what, what God's will is and be bold and courageous in going after it. I'm glad you remember that because I don't remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. That was the last conversation we had. I was pretty, uh, it's pretty emotional for me, but uh, <laughs> but it's very, very. Uh, the words are still very much tucked into inside my heart. Oh. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I, I think of this all the time. There was one conversation that you and I had, and we'll get to the missionary stuff in a second. But the, there was one con- uh, conversation that you and I had, and and um, and I was looking for a Bible verse to talk about what we were talking about, but I accidentally found Philippians 2, uh, 2 through 5. And uh-huh. and I remember reading that, looking for the verse that I was trying to find, but I got, you know, you know how sometimes you read the Bible verse and, and you get lost in it while you're reading it? And yeah, yeah. I got this teenage boy that's next to me that I need to be helping, but I'm lost <laughs> in this verse. And and it's still yeah. one of my favorite passages. It talks about don't do anything from empty conceit. Don't do it out of selfishness, mm-hmm. but, you know, have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And, and I love that passage. And I always think of Jonathan Hill when when I'm reading it because of that, because that's when I really found it. And it really and I remember just like me and you going over that at the exact same time. I'm learning this while I'm talking to you about it. And it was a really cool moment in the fellowship hall yeah. of the Clayton Church of God. So, so yep. did, Amanda, uh-huh. did you grow up in the Church of God as well? Not that that has anything to do with anything. No, yeah, I did. I did, yep. So which church did you go to growing up? Uh, Bountyland Church of God oh. is where I grew up. What? Is that in Walhalla? Or? Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> see. Yeah. Which is crazy because I don't hear an accent out of either one of y'all, and y'all are from the most mountain part of hey. the world. <laughs> that, I don't see that because John constantly ragged me about my southern accent. He's like... It doesn't matter how long we've lived out of the South. Like, you are just, you're going to keep it moving. Southern bail, is what I tell you. <laughs> no, so I, I will, I will. 
<laughs> I want to hold on to it because God God decided for me to be born up there, so I want to hold on to my accent as long as I can. So uh. yes, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I love it. People know exactly where I'm from when they start talking to me. So yeah. I hear it now. I hear it now. <laughs> you're like me. You turn. You're like me. You turn it on when people start challenging that you don't have one. I'm like. There you go. <laughs> But uh, uh, so I wanted to. Uh, I got a little, a couple questions here. So there's different types of mission work. You know, uh, Amanda alluded to earlier. Anybody who grew up in church or anybody who goes to, you know, our church really don't do it much. But there's a lot of churches that take a week out of the month or or, or just take different times and they focus on a mission story. And some stories are really cool and some are just really gut wrenching. And you hear about what's going on out there. But there's uh, there's different types of mission work. You have the people who will a church will gather everybody and they'll raise money. They'll go somewhere and they'll and they'll do a project. There's a church in Franklin, North Carolina. For years, they purchased a well drilling machine and they trained a bunch of different men who don't do anything with well drilling. And they shipped that machine to Africa, and they would go, they'd fly out there and take turns drilling wells all over Africa. And so they were, and and that's all they did. But they were, you know, providing water, uh, and and right. being there. Uh, there's a girl that I graduated with who goes to a certain tribe in Africa and uh, does different things and spends time with them, and then leaves. You know, goes back. But then you have the people like you guys who are embedded. Uh, like I said, I have a cousin, uh, I said before, I have a cousin who's a pastor in Mexico and who has intent of staying there the rest of his life. So he's treating it just like okay. like Louisiana or, or Georgia or whatever. And uh, and so then there's like you guys who are down there in Guatemala uh, doing, you're not pastoring a church, but you're there, you're, you're, you're doing work. So what kind of right. work are you doing in the missions? Or and explain that to the people that might be a little different. Yeah, so we've done a little bit of everything since we've been here. At first, we were at an orphanage, and we were pastors at the orphanage. Um, pastors, team leaders, a little bit of everything. And then we transitioned out of there, and we did start planting a church here in Guatemala. Um, COVID hit, and everything was kind of flipped upside down. Uh and so we, for a short season, had a sabbatical in the States that turned into us living there for two years, um, which was very much needed for our health and well-being, and to also just prepare us for what God had in store for us this time around. Uh, this time around, it's been very different for us. Everything that uh, we thought we were coming down here for kind of got flipped upside down again and not because of covid <laughs> just because of life. just because of life and and I, I, well, I mean amanda and i both have had multiple conversations about this but we feel like god used everything to get us back down here and then now that we're here he's just showing us more of what he wants us to be doing and be involved in and the way he wants us to be involved here um, so right now, the way we're involved in the country is we are partnering with pastors of local churches to ensure that they are staying healthy. And uh, we're also involved with a group in the states that is um, trying to, I guess, become more official and form itself as a soul health group 
soul health specifically being you know focusing on that with pastors and eventually amanda and i our heart is to not just work with pastors but missionaries and lay people in the church that are serving in the church um really even if you're not serving in the church and you're just a, a minister wherever god has you because amanda and i have said that we're all missionaries wherever god places us it doesn't necessarily matter if we're overseas internationally or if we're stateside um, we're called to be missionaries wherever God has placed us and just to reach people. Right. And so uh, that's that's a lot of what we do here is when we think of the term missionary, we just think of reaching people wherever we're at. And so we disciple the people that are specifically around us, um, geographically speaking. So wherever God has placed us, uh, whatever house we live in, whatever town we live in, uh, we just start reaching out to people and just discipling them and inviting people over into our home and having lots and lots and lots of conversations. Mm -hmm. And there's such a strong root of Catholicism and Mayan. Um, Mayan is like the indigenous people here. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. They, were the, they were the people group that were here before, you know, mm -hmm. any conquering or anything happened. Yeah. Uh, so we are constantly talking about, like, there's this weird, like, religious mixture of Catholicism and Mayan culture and religion. Even if they're Christians. That has formed. And uh, so we're constantly just, like, pulling the Bible out and talking about the simplest things like communion. What does it mean to take communion? And what is communion? Or um, baptism? Just the simplest things. But um, our heart really this time is to just serve the ministers and pastors that are already leading and just checking in on them and uh, making sure that they're just staying like mentally healthy um, and not burning, not on a burnout track because we've, we've been there. So Yeah. And like if they need resources for whatever, like there was this church that we were actually headed up to in the Kaban area and that was where we were headed as soon as we got here and God kind of stirred things like move things in a different direction um, to where we ended up not going up to that church in Cologne, but we very much support the pastors there. And one of the biggest ways we've been able to support them was connect them, like get them a water filtration system for their community. Um, so we worked with the organization in the past here that goes and installs water or water filtration systems for communities. And so we connected them with this, with our, our friends who are the pastors at this church and the, our, our friends were having issues, like their fingernails were falling off and turning yellow. And I mean, they're just trying to do what they feel God has called them to do, which is to pastor these people and to get plugged into this community. And the church that they took over, they were having to completely revitalize because it was on the brink of closure. And when you have such a basic need, such as water that is needed for your community, and food for people, uh, then you just start taking care of people in whatever way they need it, you know, uh, taking care of their physical needs and then at the same time their spiritual needs as well. And so we connected them with this organization to help them get this water filtration system and thank the Lord, uh, the filtration system is coming in in April and so we're super excited about that. Um, and, and very blessed and humbled just to be a small part of that. And then the church is in a lot of debt, and so we also got them connected with... Um, we, we had some 
some support that came through from a church that we were connected to in the States to completely pay off the debt for the church so that way they can really focus on like finishing the structure, the building and everything, just because the past of the church, um, the church's past has had a lot of embezzlement of funds and everything. And basically the reputation of the church and the community has just been broken. And so now the pastors are coming in and trying to, like I said, revitalize the church. And so we're just trying to support them in whatever way they need to be supported and let them know that somebody has their back. Right. So you, you guys, to to uh, recap it, you guys are working as almost as in like a liaison. So if you know there's a need, you're using connections to find out how to help that need, whether it's you physically doing it or if it's you reaching back to different places and different connections and get them what they need, water filtration and whatnot. So it's similar to that. I mean, that's just a very general way of saying that, but... Well, plus also... We're basically a big network pool. <laughs> We're just like, okay, let's connect you to this person, connect you to that person. Plus also ministering to them, like, spiritually, like, with the Word and with conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's important, too, because I I know as um, a Christian leader, like, um, sometimes we put aside what we're going through to help other people. And so mm-hmm. like a pastor trying to reestablish a church and they would have a lot of like, like a lot of battles to fight because the, you know, the devil's not going to stand by and just watch. So they're going to come, yeah. come at them all different ways. So it's awesome that people that they know that they're, they're friends with like y'all could come in and say, I know you guys are not only having these health things like your fingernails and not having clean water, but you're having this other, you know, the weight of all of that and and all the stress that comes with that. And you can talk and listen and um, minister to their spirit that way too because if they're fighting all those physical things and they're fighting all those spiritual things, it's really hard to stand up you know, and, and follow God. And so that's a pretty awesome part of what you guys do too. Just being able to talk to them and to read, like to remind them of things like the scripture and, 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 and the culture there, um, knowing those hurdles that you have to go over. That's really important too. I think, um, I mean, and, and if you think about it, that's in the Bible a lot when all these Kings, um, I'm I'm I just read through all the first and second kings and um and all the different kings are changing over and it would say so and so became king and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord or he did what was good in the sight of the Lord like um you know uh, except he left up these you know poles or they still worship this over here and because there's always that culture, the people coming through, all the, you know, coming through and becoming the gods instead of God. And so it's really important that you guys are there reading that. Like, um, I think it was Amanda that was talking about reading about communion. I don't, I, it could have been John now, (laughs) But, but what, but you guys doing that, you know, that's important because even in our own lives, it's important for us to have somebody reset us to that scripture. But mm-hmm. I could not imagine being in a place 
you know, with all those different influences, um, it, it just seems like something else. You know what I mean? Like, it's just another religion built upon it. And um, so it, I think it's really, really a super important job that you guys are doing over there because um, you're helping, like like the way I look at it, you're helping to clean up and clear out and um, so that those ministers and those pastors and those missionaries can do what God called them to do so that they have a little bit of a lighter load while they're there. So that's super important. And what's really neat is that you guys get uh, uh, this water filtration system, right? Or just use that as an example. You guys have the experience of how to get one, where to get one, all this kind of stuff. And you never know, you mm-hmm. might get five or six more over the next year or two because you know you have all the connections, you know how to do that, and so, and and that that's yeah. the that's that's kind of cool. It's uh, you're you're that guy that that knows how to get stuff. You're the go getter. So <laughs> that's, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Are you guys attached to any denomination, a church, or not that that matters at all? But are y'all down there representing yeah. anybody, or is it y'all just down there on y'all's own? So we're down here like on our own accord um we do have churches back in the states that support us and that back us um we are affiliated with the church of god when i say that we have our credentials to the church of god as pastors um but we're like we're literally just down here on our own accord and that was a huge step of faith coming down on board because most there's a lot of uh, mission boards or um, people that we've spoken to that have come on behalf of someone else. Are like, that's crazy. Like, how? Why would you do that? You know. And I guess the simple response for us is has always just been like, well, God, God, God just God said go. Yeah, God yeah. said go. So we hesitate and we just jumped in the pool. You know. Yeah. Um, Without knowing what it would be like, and don't get me wrong, like it's had its ups and downs, and it's been hard, and uh, you know, donations are all over the place, which is always a, a factor when you're overseas on the mission field. But but God has always been faithful too, and God has showed up in ways that we didn't even anticipate or expect, um, even through the people here, which is uh, which is you know crazy because you think like I'm coming here to minister to these people. Now I'm coming here mm-hmm. to help, and that's oftentimes how missionaries think is that you're coming down to do something for them. But oftentimes you don't realize how much they do for you. They do for yeah. you, and how much they do you in return. So even whenever you know it's been like you haven't had or whatever, and and they don't have much to offer, it's like you never go without anything that you need. Like there's a there's that. What you find out, in, what you see in Scripture with the church at Acts about how like, they sold things and they cared for one another, you know? Like, you see that so much. On the communal, a, the, the communal um, aspect here is really mm-hmm. strong. They're okay. very much a community. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Acts 4, where it talks about them all living together, working together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Living together, working together, they would sell whatever they needed, like, sell whatever they had to sell in order to take care of the needs of the community. The community. Yeah. I think that's the things that um, we've had conversations like, you know, with people, especially this group that we've talked, that we mentioned earlier that we are connected with in the States that's 
trying to develop more of like a resource system for leaders in the church to go to, like if they need sabbatical or counseling or something like that. But we've had conversations with them. Um, and I feel like our Western culture, we rely a lot on the church to give us community, which isn't bad. Like, that's great. Um, the difference here is they have community with each other without the church. So you don't go to church here to, like, see your friends or to, like, be in a growth group or connect group or whatever you want to call it. Like, that's happening all the time without church happening necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, Even on the spiritual level? I mean, are they getting together? I was about to say, like, that's the cool part is it's so natural to have someone over for a meal or for coffee and bread, and you can turn that spiritual with a flip of a hat because right. they're already open to talking. They're already open to sharing. Um, there's there's not like this, um, there's not as many walls <laughs> to, like, break through to get to someone. Their hearts are very soft and open and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just because they understand that they need each other. Like they mm-hmm. need other people to get through life. Mm-hmm. As to us, like in the Western culture, that's kind of that's hard for us to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like you don't. There's a lot of spiritual stuff that you do meet resistance with, but it's really because there's a lack of understanding and knowledge. Um, because there's also a lot of willingness because people just are genuinely open um, because they just realize, like, I don't have it all figured out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So are y'all in a big big town, small town? Where, where are y'all at currently? We're in, like, a pretty – it's a pretty developed area. So it's, it's not as populated as the city of Guatemala. The city of Guatemala is ridiculously populated. Um, but we're about – Okay. In states terms, we're probably only about 15, 20, 30 minutes tops from the city. But traffic in Guatemala, we're like two, three hours from the city. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, traffic is really crazy. And it's really not that far. It's maybe, what, 15 miles, 20? 20 miles, yeah. At the most. So that's why I say, like, ah, oh, we could be there in, like, 15, 20, maybe 30 at the most. No. Nope. But, uh... If you're going at like 1 a.m. in the morning, you can make it there, yeah, in a breeze. <laughs> but who wants to go to the city at 1 a.m. in the morning? Yeah. So uh, my next question I have written down here is, uh, you know, it seems, listening to you two talk, it seems like you guys are in for the long haul. Is that, obviously, it goes without saying you're doing what God's got you doing. But uh, and if he says y'all need to come home, y'all gonna come home. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. But right now, right. y'all current heading for the future is it staying down there, or like what do you guys see foresee you guys selves doing? I should say, what do you foresee yourselves doing? Yeah, we we hold it very loosely in our hands because because it, before it was like we're in this for the long haul, yeah, and it like was kind of. I don't want to say ripped out of our hands, but it felt like it was ripped out of our hands. Yeah, and um, I think... During COVID. Yeah, during during COVID. COVID's taught so many people so many things. <laughs> um, so when we were stateside for those two years, between like 2020 and 2022, I think God taught us to just like hold everything 
loosely because uh, you just never know the direction he's going to lead you. Well, um, I think also, too, if we're holding on to something tightly, we don't give God the opportunity to make something that we didn't necessarily expect or anticipate yeah. out of it. Yeah. Um, so if we're holding it loosely in our hands and he's the potter and we're the clay, um, then he can form and shape it mm-hmm. into however he wants it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we we definitely see ourselves involved here pretty much for the rest of our lives. Uh, living here full time, that's what we're doing right now. We and we, you know, we did it before, and then we were in the states for two years, and now we're back, and we feel good about that. Um, but you know, we're also like God. At the end of the day, uh, it could very much change. <laughs> oh yeah, day to day. <laughs> yeah, it changed so quickly before, and, and, you know, it could do that again. But, uh, yeah, I think we we definitely enjoy it here. Um, we have, we just actually got our permanent residency here, which makes it really easy. Okay. Yeah, uh, helps us with, like, visa stuff, you know, it doesn't okay. make it as complicated for our family to travel back and forth states. So we don't have, basically, we don't have to travel every three or six months. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you guys uh, can stay down there so, longer so you don't have yeah, to, like, come can, back to reset the times and stuff. Five years at a time if we want to, and we don't have to leave. Right? Yeah. And before we were on visa, and the way they do their visas here is you get 90 days, but you can renew that and get up to 180. So that's, like, every six months you're having to pay airfare to come back to the States. Or go to Mexico, or go to Mexico. hop the border, you know, do something. We had to hop the border somehow, but out of Central America. So that can, you know, get really costly when you have children and start having to pay for well, their flights. Like, um, who wants to be traveling every six months? I mean, maybe some people do. And there are, there are missionaries that want to do all the time. Yeah, right. yeah. It just for us, got complicated and really expensive after we had children. So well, there's, like, we like took, I was saying, there's different types of missionaries. Some people... You know, yeah. just like there's different types of the pastoral roles, evangelists are different, you know, yeah. all that stuff's different. So what you guys yeah. are doing right now, this is a really good setup for you guys because now you don't have that stress and the, you can, you don't have to save up the money to fly home, you know, like now you can yeah. just go when you need to. Yeah. And it also feels like you, like, because what happened before is we would get in the thick of something and then be like, oh, great, we have to leave, you know. Yeah. Right. And when you're going to the States, you want to take advantage of the time that you're there. Like, you're not just going for a week or two, you know. So we would end up being there for two months, three months at a time, whatever. Right. Um, because you're trying to take advantage of the opportunity of being there. And we're those crazy missionaries that also, when we come back, we have like eight or nine or ten you know, mm-hmm. like the black and black bins with the yellow lids that you get from Sam's Club or Costco. <laughs> and so we have this full of just anything we can think of, any kind of snacks that right. we want that we can't get here, or, you yeah. know, clothes and just anything and everything. You know, people give stuff and we're like, oh, great, we can use that. Like, we can give that to so-and-so, and, or, yeah, we'll take that, or whatever, you know. And so it's just. Yeah, we're those crazy missionaries that would come back with a little bit of everything, honestly. So what we you're saying is you need us to send Oreos. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> double stuff. <laughs> double <laughs> stuff <laughs> Oreos. And a Chick-fil-A and sandwich. We have, like, we have a list, so <laughs> we can send that. 
Yeah. Time. <laughs> hey, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. So uh, during during Hurricane Maria, it hit Puerto Rico, and I started doing power lines, and I found myself down there. Um, and I think it was like nine, ten months I was down there, and I was with the, pretty much the same group of guys the whole time. So I was kind of like a live-in chaplain, but I was actually having to work too. So it it was really cool, and it was really neat being down there, and it was such a different. Yeah, it's technically United States, but it was like not you know at the same time yeah, yeah. and so one of the things that you know you know money wasn't an issue for us it was just availability and we joked about how like every, all you'd have to say is like man i just wish i could get a biscuit you know because you don't think about <laughs> like in puerto rico you couldn't get a biscuit you know like so yeah. and there's a lot of things that you guys are missing but you know eh, there th- it's easy for me to say ah eh, because i'm i can go to the store right now and get one but you know, it's, you're, you're looking at the greater picture and the greater good of the kingdom. So, yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Yes. But when we go to some stores here and we see anything that is... Like Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its. Or we see, um, like, toaster strudels or... Oh, we haven't really seen toaster strudels. No. I shouldn't say that one. Yeah. Uh, like... Uh, Ego waffles. The early crescent rolls. Oh, Pillsbury crescent rolls. Oh, <laughs> man. They only right. come at like certain times of the year, though, and so when you see them at the store, you're like, "Okay, we need to buy this because <laughs> yeah. it's not be here for another year." Right. Yes, it's a treat. It's like the McRib. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you stock up as much as you can and say, "Okay, how much of this can we freeze?" Or like, "What can we do with it?" You yeah. know. <laughs> so, do y'all have a permanent home? Or are y'all kind of like in an apartment, or what? Was what, what, just kind of curious, like how are y'all we, set up? We rent a house here. It's kind of like a townhouse, probably is what it would be the equivalent to, because mm-hmm. it's like in this small little um, subdivision, subdivision type thing, and uh, yeah, it's like a gated community. Uh, we find gated communities, and a lot of other missionaries do um, that are here from America for the simple fact of when you're gone for two or three months in the States um, you know that you, you're not having to worry about your house per se. Right. Yeah. so are there um, other missionaries there around you or are y'all kind yeah, of by yourself we don't live in the same subdivision as any missionaries right now but we live close to uh lots of friends and stuff that are in the area so which is nice yeah when we moved into our subdivision uh the owner was so excited that americans were coming to (laughs) his house to look at his subdivision and so we were like okay this is cool like (laughs) or not i don't know (laughs) and so anyways yeah then the neighbors and everybody are like, oh my gosh, you have white children, or excuse me, American children, and they're like, blue-eyed and blonde-headed, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah like, what is that? That's, what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they're so beautiful. Look at their eyes. Lots of <laughs> yeah, I, all, five of my, all five of my kids are blue-eyed, and so sometimes I'll be like, messing with a kid at church and I'll just realize that hey that kid's got brown eyes that's so weird you know like and all my kids are not like, but it's kind of cool so so uh, I do I do think it's funny though uh, John 
has taken almost caught up with his daddy on the kids, and so y'all got four. Uh, well, wait, have you had number four? No, we have not. I'm actually 38 weeks tomorrow. Okay. Um, but this will be our, our first boy, so we have yeah. We have three girls. <laughs> yeah. I would say name him Jonathan, but that wouldn't make sense, you know, like that. Well, it's kind of, his name is kind of like Jonathan, so his name will be Juan, which is, I say John in Spanish. Okay. So it's Juan Caleb. Yep. So John Caleb. Yeah. And then his middle name will be Matias, which is a variation of Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So on the birth certificate, will it be in Spanish or English? We're gonna do Spanish. Which oh, <laughs> so you're Southern famous, like what? <laughs> so basically, we're telling people like, you know how you say one time? Yeah, <laughs> that's how you say one. So just do Wanka, Wanka leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember years ago. I remember years ago there was a video on YouTube, or not YouTube. It was on Facebook, and it was John standing next to the pastor of wherever it was stateside and and john was his normal like hyperactive self standing there and <laughs> and they he and the pastor kind of you know gave it over to jonathan and he was talking and all of a sudden he flipped into spanish and just like blah, 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 like like and i was i was sitting there thinking like this kid has learned Spanish really well, really quick too, because it yeah. it hadn't been but uh, that long. So I, I think that's kind of interesting, and that leads into this question of advice for others. Okay, so let's say people are listening to this and they're like you, the both of you, and have had their entire life thinking about mission work and such as that. I mean, obviously you studied French and you're still down there as a missionary in 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 the Spanish speaking <laughs> country. So it doesn't really matter yeah. per se, yeah. but uh, what kind of advice do you have for the teenagers that might be listening or even the young adults that are listening that are thinking of, of maybe this is what God's got them doing? You know, how, how do they work that out? What's something you would say? So for any teenagers or anybody who has never been outside of the country, like any international experience or whatever, uh, Amanda and I always – push people for an international experience. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't matter where, just go somewhere. Just because it, I don't know, I, I, for us, like, it just broadens your worldview so much, and it allows you to... Uh, get you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, it gets you so out of your comfort zone. And oftentimes, most people don't pay for the international plan on their phones. Oh, yeah. So you have no distractions, <laughs> okay, from your cell phones. So you're literally dependent and reliant upon whoever is around you to lead you and guide you. Yeah. And it's just very, it's a very vulnerable moment in your life. But I feel like people are so open in those moments because our culture, our Western culture is so, our attention is so taken by everything around us constantly um, that we, I'm, I would even say that we allow things to just take our attention that we shouldn't half the time uh, mm-hmm. just because whatever you know for whatever reason uh, but it literally puts you in a in a place in a space where yeah, you rely on God literally to 
to get through the day the day to day of whatever you're facing before right. you. And I think you learn so much more that way. Um, so, I, not to talk about myself, but like with my Navy yeah. experience, um, going um, overseas to different places, I found when I had to rely on somebody from that area. Um, mm-hmm. that I learned more than if I just went on a tour or a, yeah. or read about it. Um, I got to, to see, like, what they lived like through their own mm-hmm. experiences and through their eyes. For example, um, I, I did go on a tour. <laughs> um, <laughs> silly enough, it was a, uh, the Nagasaki tour um, in Japan. And... Uh, it was it was very heart wrenching to go through their museum and see what um, happened to them because you know we hear about it on on state side we hear about what they did to us but yeah. what what happened to them by us as well was very horrible yeah. either side was you know there was a lot yeah. of um, lives lost and the what we we actually got to see in the was things that was left behind or that made it through that didn't get totally destroyed and to see something mm-hmm. partially there and imagine who had it was by yeah. itself that was very heart-wrenching but the woman that gave yeah. us the tour um not only she know everything about what happened um um she's she had it down to you know her her own little like delivery of it um but she was so full of joy and um despite having to show us americans around what we did to them um she loved us um and uh one of the things that she did on the bus ride was shows how to make the origami swans because that Mm -hmm. was a crowd pleaser and uh sometimes sailors um outside of their um their leadership you know like when they're away from the ship they can be a little Mm bit um i I don't know they're just sometimes act like kids and um there was a lot of people that weren't really into it or weren't listening i mean it was just kind of getting to be a bad bus trip and i remember thinking like how excited i was to be learning origami you know on this trip i don't know why i was just super excited and then i would go around helping each person on that bus fold it because they weren't paying attention because they weren't listening and uh Mm -hmm. at the end of that bus ride when we actually got to the museum and she after she gave us um her her you know tour and we were just walking around looking at everything she had she had gone away and we didn't think anything of it like she's not going to go tour it again you know she's done this tour every time she doesn't have to go look but when she returned she had brought me this origami kit that she had gotten actually from the um store there at the museum at the gift shop mm-hmm. and she brought it to me and she told me that um that i had made her heart happy by taking what she had taught me and giving it to everybody else and, and 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 in that moment what i felt like was i cared enough about what she was doing for us that she saw that but i also yeah, got yeah. to see through her eyes like how important that was and what she did yeah. and how she valued it and and there was so much i learned on that trip that i could 
I'm, and I'm not, but I could quote to you every th- single thing that she taught us. But she made yeah. it that way with, with her love and yeah. her joy. And, you know, all I could imagine was like how hard that would be for her to do, but she still did it. And I will tell you that each country that I visited and each um, person that I dealt with in their each of their countries all you have to do is ask them questions and be interested in them and they can pour out and then you can know how to give back to them. And so I think a trip outside of where you're from, even if it's just a, even if it's just over to like some, a lot of people go to Mexico. If you just take the time and talk to the local people there, you'll learn so much more than you can, you know, learn just perusing the internet or um reading a book about it because you get to see how they live it and i think that's really important um yeah and 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 that's what it sounds like is a important thing before you go somewhere is to really experience uh is Mm -hmm. to really go there to experience that place and not yeah to go do all the little like Touristy things. Yeah, <laughs> tourist things. They're busy things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, experience is so powerful. Like, even if you don't end up, you know, like, living, like, you don't live in Japan now, but that still has been with you and stayed with you and stuck with you and impacted your life. Oh, yeah. And um, so I think that's why we say, like, even if you're not necessarily, like, feeling a call to live somewhere, just like allowing yourself to experience experience a different culture in and of itself is um, mm-hmm. it can just really be powerful for the rest of your life and impact and impact your life. But I think another thing that we had talked about earlier, um, as far as advice goes, was like counting the cost before you like make that um, decision. I think so. Like move overseas mm-hmm. or move internationally. Counting the cost and so after counting that cost. Um, being willing to pay that price, you know. Uh, asking yourself, like, are you willing, am I willing to pay the price of what it costs to live there? Like, time? I mean, as simple as, there's no Oreos in Guatemala. But this is an example. Like, yeah. there's no double stuff Oreos in Guatemala. That's, no, a, no. that's the cost. Yeah. Am I willing to pay that in in the sense of like, am I willing to go without double stuffed Oreos? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's a simple example and funny, obviously. But um, yeah. uh, like, you no, know, you know that can go a lot deeper. I mean, we think of our kids uh, counting the cost of choosing to have a family over here is like, okay, so they're not going to be around like cousins or grandparents as much, mm-hmm. and that relationship they have with them will look different. It will still exist, but, you know, it's going to be like FaceTime or something or um, seeing each other, you know, not as often. Or even friends that they formed in the States, you know, the time that they were in the States. Yeah. Uh, like, that's a cost that, especially as a parent, you know, or choose that cost for your kids. Um, right, yeah. And so... Thinking about that and then also not just realizing what that's going to cost them and yourself, but being willing to say, okay, if we make this decision, um, like, we're sticking it through. But also to remember, like, when you're following God and the will he has for your life, 
it is always worth it. And he always gives you the grace to like make that decision and to follow through and to live without those Oreos Mm -hmm. or to live um, without that relationship necessarily being what you thought it would be with your grandparents or whatever. I think he also gives you the favor to just like he's a good father Mm -hmm. and he just he loves us and he even loves the little things that we really care about so I remember the first few years that I was here uh, and I was leading teams at the orphanage and I remember people would bring stuff down for me like they would ask me weird questions and I'd be like that's weird I don't know why they're asking that but then at the end of their trip or at the beginning of it they would literally hand me like a box of like peanut butter peanut butter (laughs) or like um, double stuff Oreos or we can't get over the Oreos. Like, I'm sorry, uh, I brought that up. <laughs> a big cup Reese's cups. Those are my favorite, you know. And you know, just like this little care package that that you wouldn't that, think yeah. twice of, like in the states. Like you're like whatever. Like it's a right. Reese's, you know. Um, but when you go, when you go without it, you're like, oh my gosh! And someone brings it to you, or or somebody brings you a cute filet sandwich that they got in the airport. I don't care if it comes cold. cold. Like I don't right. care how it is. I will deal with it. You know. I had good so chicken one of the filet. one of the cool things that happened to me, uh, and I was in the Navy, so is um, I don't know who did it or how it happened, but somebody had put my ship's address up on at the Chevron and Dillard and and my, with my name on it and somebody sent a care package that lived in Scaly oh. I never met him before or after you know and it was just jammed full of like summer sausages and and different stuff that was non-perishable oh. and whatnot and it was and it meant so much to me that it was somebody from my home randomly sent stuff to somebody that's uh that you know that they didn't know or they might have known they might have known who my family was or whatnot but i just that was so important as, as you're in and the persian gulf and doing your things or if you guys are in missionary field doing your things it's, it's kind of neat to know that if i say hey how do i help us donate money that's cool and that's needed but you know the care package is just as important too, you know, for this, uh, maybe not financially, but emotionally to have something come in is pretty yeah. neat. So, but, uh, so yeah. one, um, we'll try to, and we, if we could talk for days on this thing. So, um, we might have to get back on here another time and go back, but I do wanted to uh, talk about the money a minute ago. And I did ask you, Jonathan, about, um, donations and and you're going to give me the venmo or whatever you guys use and it's going to be in the show notes so anybody who wants to donate to to jonathan and amanda uh can it'll it'll be to their link to their a bank account <laughs> so if you wanted to do that it'll go there you don't have to say it right now but um how important how much do you guys survive on donations like what's the do y'all have jobs there that helps? Uh, obviously, people help, but like, how important are donations to you guys? Yeah, so donations, uh, let me put it this way. So monthly commitments is how we like make our budget. Yeah. So we're fully reliant upon Donation. donations. Right we don't have any other source of income. Like we don't have, you know, extra jobs on the side, like side hustles or anything else going on. That sounds <laughs> so, like Dave Ramsey. What are you talking? And we go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. 
So we are completely dependent upon the generosity of, of people and churches. And we have a couple of churches that sponsor us financially, and then we also have primarily what we have is a lot of individuals and families that are sponsoring us, um, which is really cool because we have relationships with pretty much all of these people, and they are very much a part of our our ministry, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, right. we, couldn't, we couldn't be doing what we're doing without them. And so that's just beautiful. You know, that, to me, that's just like the Church of Acts is yeah. what it is. Yeah. And right. so we, in saying that, like, all of our support is donation-based. Donation so when you guys um, listen and think about this, you know, you see a Jonathan and Amanda are in Guatemala. You know, uh, if you're if you're in church, you probably know about somebody not just these two or somebody who's doing stuff you know don't forget you know like a one-time donation could be the difference between um food versus a rent or whatever for a missionary who's down there and it could just be something to help but uh like i said in the show notes this will be there uh reach into ask your pastors about it and and you know find out some people who need it and if you like i said even if you help one time it's a big deal so reach out to people and help and and um is there anything that real quick that you guys need to get out of your off your chest now? Something that you got to say <laughs> that I have not put in any of the notes or our correspondence before? Uh, I think the only thing that I would want to say, like to people who are wanting to know about missionaries and may have these, you know, curiosity about what life is for a missionary and everything like that, or how is it really, you know? Um, I think the only thing that I would say is uh, missionaries are people just like anyone else is. And we need love and support just like any other person does. Um, I feel like oftentimes when we are in the States, people look at us as super Christians. <laughs> and they're like, you guys are... Like, you guys are just, like, the the epitome of, like, what Christians should be, you know? It's like, you, you beat and trump everything because you're a missionary. And it's like, no, like, I'm a normal human being just like you are, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, I struggle, too. I yeah. As much, yeah, I, I struggle, and I'm in need of a Savior just as much as anyone else. Um, yeah. Like, for Amanda and I, whenever we came back to the States, you know, unexpectedly moving back to the States... Uh, we went through a time of even counseling ourselves because it was like, what in the world just happened and how are we going to process through all this, you know? And that was so beneficial for us because I think it was the first time in our lives that, we'd act- that we had actually given ourselves the grace to not be okay. Yeah. And to kind of break this image of that we have to have it all together and be perfect, you know? And it was, I'm so thankful for the time that we had and just everything that God did in that time. Um, But I also look back on it and even now today I'm very adamant about, which is why we're involved in that that small group that's forming, um, that's trying to develop resources for pastors and ministers, just anybody who's involved in ministry that needs time of rest um, and reprieve and just 
a place or a space where they can give themselves some grace to not be okay. Um, we're just very adamant about making sure that people, especially pastors, missionaries, whoever you are, like, hey, you're human and it's okay. You know, um, you weren't meant to function or carry the load. Like you were meant to lay that down because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Mm -hmm. And we know that, like we know the scriptures, you know, Um, even the best missionary that is well versed in scripture and everything like knows the verses, but the weight of responsibility and everything that kind of is in your hands day in and day out or what is before you is really hard to let go of at the end of the day. And like when you come to the end of a day and then you're getting ready for the next day. So I think the biggest thing that I would just want to let people know is find somebody like find somebody around you. Like if it's your pastor Um, If it's a missionary that you're already connected to, or I guess I would really just want to challenge people to make sure that they're pouring in or checking in on somebody and making sure that, that we're being the church to people around us, you know, and that we're checking in on people around us and making sure that they're okay and that they have what they need. And if they don't have what they need, that we take action on our part to do what we can to help meet that need, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, that's just been the biggest thing that we've seen in our time on the on the field and off the field. Because even when we were off the field in the states, we lived in a small apartment complex, and we were like, "All right, God, we're here. Uh, this isn't really where we want to be." <laughs> and I worked at a bank for a time, and don't get me wrong. I loved the I loved the people. I hated the job, but uh, it was where God led us, and what you know, what paid the bills. And I loved how we had the opportunity to bring everything that God had taught us here in Guatemala uh, to the people there. And our neighbors, we still talk to pretty much all of our neighbors there. And yeah. you know, we did this like welcome committee and I don't know just crazy things that were fun but also just got people really out of their houses because everybody was pretty much shut in and uh, it was beautiful it was beautiful it was a beautiful time just to see people come together and come out of their shells uh, their hermit holes whatever you want to call it and just really start like caring for each other and we just literally just started knocking on people's doors and we're like hey we just live right over here if you guys need anything like we're we're more than happy to more than happy to help um more than happy to like love on you guys or just chit chat or whatever and you know it, it was a it was an awesome time so we had people come over asking for you know little things like spices or milk or whatever and then you would get the opportunity to have conversations and, right. and deep conversations, spiritual conversations. And I remember one day, one of our neighbors, she came home from her work and she just like broke down, you know, 
broke down and just like came over and just like started crying on my shoulder and I was like oh my gosh like is everything okay you know and it was just a beautiful representation of just how like literally just looking around and just being like god these are the people that you placed around me how can I how can I care for them or how can I love them you know or what do they need and the biggest thing needed was just to know that somebody cared and uh yeah and we still have a great relationship with everyone there and still stay in contact with everyone there uh and that was just a beautiful moment that we got to be a part of and that god allowed us to be a part of uh for her specifically that day uh, which just carried over into a great friendship that we that we all have now right again i'm, I'm very proud that one you're doing what god's got you doing and two that that uh we got to be a part of it, at least a, a minute of what your adolescence and all that kind of stuff working with you and all of them kids and and seeing how you know there's a few of them that are still preaching there's a few of them that are working and doing some good things in the kingdom and it's really cool to look back and see all that and and i'm glad you guys are enjoying what you're doing you're not down there begrudgingly you're down there doing god's work yeah. and, and loving it at the same time and so even though you don't have your double stuffed oreos i understand I, I, that's, that's that's not fun so yeah uh but yeah, yeah. I, I i just wanted to say um well um i don't know how to say it. i don't want to get emotional like okay so amanda we've never met but um i just know that um if you're in jonathan's life that um you're pretty special too and i don't feel any weirdness you know in this conversation even though this is the first time we're talking so that says a lot um i'm really proud of you too um jonathan I i never had any doubt in my knowing you that you would not do something awesome like this um you are always loving and caring of all your friends. Um, I would have imagined you would be like taking care of somebody because that's um, just how you always were. Um, and you were always, I don't, I don't know if you realized it or if you felt it, but you've always had a piece about you that other people were attracted to. So um, I think that's pretty awesome that you're using... Um, all the blessings that God and all the gifts that God gave you to help other people and be that um, same way to others down there or over there, or I'm not geographically um, intelligent <laughs> yeah. at this moment. Um, but, um, and I just listening to um, Amanda as well, I just, you guys are doing what you're supposed to be doing. I feel that heavily in my heart. Um, something that you hit on was how a missionary is not like the perfect Christian and, and they're just human like everybody else. And I think, um, I was trying to find it and I can't find it, but there was a part where, um, in some of the, the devote or the scripture I've been reading, um, how it says like, we are not, um, 
meant we're we're not perfect beings you know basically mm-hmm. and i'm just summarizing it because that's not definitely not word for word but that we we're not supposed to be it's god that does everything through us and that's what you mm-hmm. know we oftentimes forget because we have these rules um the pharisees had the rules too you know we we have these rules that we think that we need to live by to be a good christian but honestly it's our relationship with god that um really does the most work and through that relationship with god we have a closeness with him and then the things that we do will be in line with what he is communicating with us and so um as a missionary um that's out there working to help other people um with their spiritual well-being and with their relationships with god that's very important and um maybe that's not what you guys intended to go to guatemala or back to guatemala for but um i think maybe god just knew that you know you guys experienced that you experienced the load Mm -hmm. and 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 what like you said, it was kind of a good thing for you to go back to the States and get that. And because you guys had to acknowledge that you weren't well and that it was okay that you weren't well and that you needed to work on that and you needed to get better. Yeah. And that I think, um, is probably why you're doing what you're doing because you guys know it. Um, you experienced it and you know how important it is to work on yourself and, um, your relationship with God. So now you can give that to those people and so, um, you might not have planned on going to Guatemala to do that, but God always planned on you doing that is what I think. And, um, and I'm just encouraged, I'm just like encouraged to know that you're over there doing that because that means that you're, you can set, you can tell their people about Jesus and you're going to reach a certain amount of people. But now you're getting to reach the other people who are telling people about Jesus. And so it gets to reach out yeah. to more people than you would have done by yourself. So, um, yeah. and that's what we're called, that's what we're supposed to be doing is telling everybody about yeah. God's plan and getting them the knowledge and the, um, I guess, the open door to have a relationship with God. And you guys are doing it. So, amen. Yeah. I'm just Amen. really proud thank of you, you too. Yes. Thank you. thank you. Thank you so much for those words. And uh, so, hey, Jonathan and Amanda, I'm really glad that you guys are on here today. Uh, it's it's always cool to get to do these episodes and talk to people about what Kingdom and God's doing, and it's really cool to get to 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 have known people before, even though I didn't know you, Amanda, before. Like Christina said. <laughs> uh, you're if you're with Jonathan, you're cool. So, um, so, uh, uh, so there in the show notes, there will be a, a link to a donation place. I don't know what it's called yet. Uh, it will be there. I don't have that information yet, but it will be there by the time this is uh, aired. And uh, well, it's not aired. It's not over the radio. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, also. There is an going to be an address that you can send things if you feel so led to send things Oreos and double stuff. Uh, I don't like double stuffed Oreos, but I guess you do. So. Uh, I'm a purist. So, but anyhow, so before we get off on that, uh, I appreciate it. Thanks again for coming on. And and Jonathan, would you do us a favor and close us out of this episode? Yes. Yes. Thank you. 
God, we just uh, we thank you, and we thank you for the way that you have worked in all of our lives. We thank you for how you lead us and guide us. And Father, we just thank you for the moments and opportunities that we get to just come together and we get to share about what you're doing and how we just get to be a part of what you're doing all over the world, God. God, we thank you for Jonathan and Christina. We thank you for technology that you've given to us to be able to communicate and stay in communication with one another and to also communicate even to people that we don't know or that we haven't met and just share more of, of you and your heart and how you work and orchestrate and how you change lives. Father, we are humbled and we are grateful for the opportunity to be where we are and to serve you and to serve your kingdom. And Father, we just, everything that we do, may thy kingdom come and your will be done. So God, may this podcast, may this episode just reach whoever you want it to reach. And Father, we just bless Jonathan and Christina and their podcast. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to use everything for your glory. And God, we just lay our lives down at your feet. And even those who are listening to this today, Father, we pray that you stir within them and in their hearts whatever it is that you want to do within them and lead them and guide them and open doors for them of opportunities to experience the world that you have created beyond the borders that they have lived in or have always stayed in. Help us to love and care for one another the way you ask us to and to reach out to those around us wherever we are. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening.